Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. The Spirit of God's going to move today, but I'm going to tell you what, He only shows up when you're hungry. So he's sitting here. The cool thing is about the Holy Ghost is he really is a gentleman. God loves you so much, he's given you the opportunity not to choose him. That's deep. He loves you so much, he's given you the opportunity to say no. But everybody here came today to say yes, right? Amen. Amen. Please close your eyes. Um, If you wouldn't mind, raise your hands. I want to pray something over you. I'm going to prophesy this over every single person in this church today, and I want you to release your faith right now and grab it, because this is for you. It's for me. It's for every person, no matter their age, no matter their gender, no matter their incapabilities, whatever the devil's tried to tell you in your life, he's a liar. He's the father of all lies, and this is what God says about you. Father, I come before you right now, and I exalt your name. Lord, you're good. You're the healer. You're the provider. You're the guider. Father, you break chains. You set people free. Jesus, you were anointed. And you've anointed us to go preach the good news to the poor and set the captives free. Father, your word says, and in the last days, it shall be that God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, remember this. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we come before you right now. God, we ask for a move of your spirit. We come before you in the name of Jesus. Lift up our spirits and allow us to seek your face. Father, may every chain be broken right now in the mighty name of Jesus. May every devil be kept outside these doors. Father, we declare this room and this building right now to you. This is a holy place. Holy Spirit, we invite you in for a mighty move of your power. Set the captives free today. We receive healing. We receive prophecy, and we receive your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Give Jesus a hand clap, please. Come on. Come on. Amen. If it's your first time here today, please raise your hand. There's a couple. Wow. Praise God. So good. So good. So good. If you came from, uh, from Sioux Center or if, if you're a part of our group, please raise your hand. Come on. Hallelujah. That's so good. So, so happy for everybody. Uh, just so you guys know, I didn't tell anybody that I was preaching today because I didn't want anyone to come for me today. Uh, other people told people, but I'm glad that you came here for, for God today. Amen. Amen. You're here in the body of Christ. No one's, no one's here for anyone but Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to share my testimony. I don't know how many of you have heard my testimony, um, and I got great permission to keep you guys for like the next four to five hours by Pastor Mike, so I'm just kidding. Uh, amen. Revival. Come on. The Spirit of God knows no time. He's going to move today, and it's going to be amazing. Anyone that hasn't heard my story, it's, it's radical. It's, it's very crazy. It's different than a lot of people. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up with, uh, with my parents waking me up for church on Sunday. I didn't go to a Christian school. I, I didn't know God. If anything, I knew the opposite. My dad was a severe drug addict, severe partier. Uh, he used to, to help run guns and drugs over the Mexican-California border. He was heavily involved with the Mexican mafia. My mom ran away from home when she was 11 years old. 
And uh, she was a full-blown drug addict by the age of 12, growing up on the streets of Hollywood. So I didn't come from uh, the typical Christian household. It was quite the opposite. And uh, growing up, my dad and I didn't have a very good relationship. I watched alcohol destroy my father. And I said it in the first service, I'll say it again, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if it's a sip, if it's a drink, if it's a gallon. Alcohol is a devil. And alcohol will destroy your life. It, will de- it is a curse. It'll, it'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your kids. Mike said a very good quote. I think it was from, uh, from Danny. He quoted this to me once, and I'll never forget it. He said, a beer here or a beer there will justify your kids having a keg here or a case there. And that's how it works. In college, I know it. And trust me, I lived the life. I lived the life. Even being a born-again Christian, I compromised in that area. I tried often to, to drink and have just enough to, like, to get close to the line but not cross the line. I was one of those, right? Just enough to not feel the conviction, and it still destroyed my life. Two of the most anointed men in the Bible, Samson and John the Baptist, whom Jesus said, direct quote, greatest man ever born of a woman's womb, were told not to touch alcohol. I don't know who needs to hear that tonight, but get it out. It has no room in your life. Deuteronomy 28 says that you're not to be cursed. It says that you're to be blessed. Galatians 3 says that all the blessings given to Abraham were given to us through our faith in Jesus. Not cursing, but blessing. Jesus took that curse on the cross. Any addiction will be set free today in Jesus' name. So what happened was growing up, I associated my father with the father quite often. And my dad was, he was abusive, and, and, and I said it in the first service, I'll say it again now, I don't dishonor my parents whatsoever. I'm just stating facts, this is just my story. It's God's story in my life. I love my dad, I love my mom. My mom got saved, my dad's getting close to it. So hallelujah, Amen. praise God. Yeah, so my dad struggled heavily with alcohol. He was very abusive. It was, it was a very, very rough time growing up. And I saw my dad, and this is a word for fathers today. I associated the Holy Father with my father. I couldn't believe that a good, gracious, nice, loving, kind, merciful God would put a man like that in my life. And I didn't sign up for two of them. So it was very hard for me to believe in God because I had daddy issues. There's people in here today that have daddy issues, and Jesus is going to set you free from it. Amen. Amen. So what happened was uh, my dad met my biological mother when they were younger, and they partied together, heavily addicted in drugs and alcohol and just that lifestyle, basically in the projects. My grandfather bought a one-way plane ticket for my dad to Alaska. He said, Mike, it's my dad's name, Mike, I'm going to fly you out to Alaska. You can clean up your life, get sober, fix things, or I'm disowning you from the family. My dad took the plane ticket, and he didn't know that my biological mother was pregnant with me. Nine months later, I came out, and uh, she named me Timothy Joel Stevens. That's my biological name. She had no idea what she was doing, this poor woman. I mean, she ran away when she was 11, grew up on the streets when she was 12, right? Like, she had no idea what she was doing. She had no idea what she, what she was in for. And she couldn't afford to feed me. She couldn't afford to change my diaper. She was still heavily addicted to, to drugs, which is, one, a miracle that I even came out healthy. Praise God. But she couldn't afford anything. I had third-degree burns all over my body because she couldn't change my diaper. She couldn't afford diapers. It was a deep issue, and it was rough. And so what happened was my father, who had sobered up at this point up in Alaska, kind of straightened his life out, find, found another woman, My family kidnapped me from my biological mother, gave me to my dad, and my dad shipped me off to Alaska with him and this new woman. Her name was Sarah. They changed my name to Taylor Michael Seaman to hide me from my biological mom. I didn't know any of this until I was 10, and I just found out the rest of the story last year. So this is all, like, news to me, too. Um, But it's kind of crazy. And uh, I'll just say this. God is good. God is good. He's shown me multiple times in my life where he was there. His hand was on my life the entire time, and I didn't even know it. 
And it's awesome because in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 34, it says he's no respecter of men. So what he's done in my life, he'll do for any of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what happened was I grew up in Alaska until I was about eight years old, and my parents got divorced, my stepmom and my dad. And this is why. Again, back to alcohol. My dad was sober for eight years. He didn't touch it, didn't look at it, didn't think about it. It took one beer. He got invited out one night with the guys. Took him one beer. It says in the, in the New Testament, I believe it's in the book of John, it says that when the Holy Spirit comes through and cleans the house, that same spirit will loop back around to see if anything's vacated it. So it's very important when your house gets clean, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get fill, fill the house. Because if not, that spirit will come back with seven more spirits even stronger than its own. And that's what happened to my father. I watched alcohol and drugs and everything crumble an amazing man. So we ended up moving back to California. One thing led to another. My dad ended up homeless in Hawaii for 10 years, and he shipped me off to go live with my aunt and uncle in California after a little while because he knew he wasn't suited to be a father. So the very people that loved me most walked out of my life at a very young age. It gave me a very hard heart, and I didn't, I didn't think I could believe in a God, right? When people would show me love, I just I couldn't accept it. I couldn't receive it. My heart was so hardened because of the people that had hurt me in the past. I knew one thing. I was nothing like my family. I didn't know what it was, but from a very, very young age, I always knew I was supposed to do something really big with my life, and that's the call of God. It really is. And praise God that he called me from such a young age. I always told myself I was going to go to a Christian college one day. The only reason why was because every family that I saw, and this is important for you with Christian families, growing up, the only families I saw that were blessed, that were well put together, that didn't have issues like my family, were the families that went to church. They were all the families I picked on. They were all the kids I made fun of in school for being Bible thumpers and holy rollers. But they had the one thing I wanted. They had the one thing I needed in my life. And so I told myself I was going to go to a Christian college, and I did. But I still didn't say I was going to believe in God. I just wanted the, the morals of it. I just wanted a nice, healthy family that went to church on Sunday because that's all I knew. You go to church on Sunday equals good life. That's all I knew. Obviously, I learned different. But one thing led to another, and I got a football scholarship and an academic scholarship to go to Dort University in Iowa. No idea what a Dort is. I still, to this day, I'm not even kidding. To this day, I do not know what a Dort is. But I took it. I ended up getting injured the third game before the last game of my senior year playing high school football. I had a lot of very good scholarships, very good offers. Blew out my throwing arm three games before the end of my season. All my scholarships got dropped except for Dort College. Tell me that's not God. Crazy, right? Because I was going to go somewhere else. I forgot I had always told myself that. I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to go to the league, right? That's what everyone wants to do. So I ended up going to Dort. But here's the thing. Here's, here's I want to say this nicely, but in a way that's truthful. Truth with love, right? I couldn't believe in God because I was in a godly place, but the church looked like the world. And I'm guilty of this because I've lived in it, and I've had to suffer the consequences, but the Lord has delivered me from it. When the church looks like the world, people don't get set free. Free people, free people. So amen, yeah, amen. You can clap for that. You can clap for that. The same people I was partying with on Saturday were the same people I was going to church with on Sunday. And it's an easy environment to get wrapped up in. It is. It's college. We're young. We're dumb. But it's a result of religion. It is not a result of relationship. It is a result of religion. It is a result of rules. It's a result of walls built up. It's a result of, of this constant, wake up at this time, look this way, show up here, pretend to be this, and then you're good. That's what it was a result of. And I didn't know it at the time. But anyway, I end up getting kicked out of school twice, kicked out of college twice. And I met a guy, and his name was Mike. And he was just different. I'll just put it that way. He was just different. Anyone that knows Mike, he's just different. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
He was just different. And there was something so attractive about his life. And he started to mentor me and kind of took me under his wing. He fathered me more in three years than my own dad did in 20. It changed my life. And it's because it was Christ in him, the hope of glory, that allowed him to pour out love like that. And it was amazing. And so I got kicked out the first time, and I didn't know who to call. I knew my family was just going to keep prophesying the same thing they told me my whole life. You're going to be a drunk. You're going to be just like your dad. You're going to end up where he was. You're going to do what he did, and nothing's going to be different. That's what my family always told me. Be very careful about who speaks into your life. Be very careful about who speaks into your life. I didn't know the power of words there, but what is, I think it's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The power of life and death is in the tongue. What you speak, you will reap, no matter what. You can shape somebody's identity with the very words that come out of your mouth. That's why we'll be judged by every idle word on that day. And I didn't know that at the time. But I called Mike, and I said, Mike, I got no degree. I got no way of making money, and I can't tell my family. I don't know what to do. He said, I'll be there in 10 minutes, and I'll pray with you. I was like, what is prayer going to do? <laughs> I didn't realize at the time, right? I was, I was so naive. I was so new. I was such a baby. I was in my diaper. So. <laughs> I was. I was. And Mike came, and he just, like, he comforted me. He brought the peace of Jesus. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. If you've ever experienced it, please say amen. If you've experienced that, amen. It is. It's really good, and it brought peace to me. I didn't know why, but I just knew everything was going to be okay. I didn't know why. I just knew it was going to be okay. And so Mike started taking me under his wing, and September 29, 2017, I call it my birthday, he baptized me in the Black Hills in South Dakota, hallelujah, and I'm almost three years saved now, praise God, I've been thumping the devil since 2017, yeah, amen, amen. And I'll tell you what, the reality is God gave me a very, very deep question, a very personal question when I first got saved. He said, Talon, why are you a Christian? He spoke it to me as clear as you can hear me now. Taylor, why are you a Christian? That was a question I didn't even know how to answer until he revealed it to me. He said, the reality of being a Christian is the revelation of what you've been saved from and what you've been saved to. If you don't have that revelation and you don't know why you're a Christian, how do you love your wife if you don't know why you love her? How do you know your husband if you don't know why you love him? How do you know your mother or your father or your kids if you don't know why you're to love them? And when he spoke that to me, I was like, wow. And it made Jesus more real to me than the very people I'm looking at right now. And that day lit me on fire like a Roman candle. It was crazy. It was crazy. And, and after still playing around in the world a little bit, figuring myself out, I came up here. And for the first time I was here, I was like blown away because I had never been in a church like this. I'd never been in a Holy Spirit, full gospel-filled church. But praise God, it's here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And then I came again. And the third time I came and I brought people with me because I couldn't help it. When you encounter the spirit and the presence of God, you can't help but bring people in there. It's the truth. It's true. And that third time I came here and I ended up getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's going to be an opportunity. I'm going to tell you right now. There's going to be an opportunity for you today. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, I highly recommend it. Amen. 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 Yeah. I haven't even started yet, just so you guys know. But <laughs> praise God, right? This is still just a testimony. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in a heavenly language, and I felt drunk. It was awesome. It was way better than normal alcohol. This was like, this is the Holy Ghost. It was, there is no high like the most high, right? That's what Gloria Copeland says. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And when I experienced that, what happened was I literally, the Holy Spirit drove me into the wilderness. He locked, Jenna shot me a text, I think it was this morning or last night, and it just, it reminded me, it brought it, 
It just brought it all back to me. The Holy Ghost drove me into my wilderness the same way he did with Jesus. I locked myself in my apartment for three months and I wouldn't leave. I read my Bible. I was so, like, just alive, right? It was like, oh. It was as if my spirit man had been in a coma or he had been, uh, what is it, hibernating. It was like my spirit man had been hibernating for like 20 years of my life. And then he wakes up and he's like, dude, I'm hungry. And I ate this thing. I'm not kidding you. I would read my, I, I have friends here that will testify. I would read this thing in the morning, at lunch, all evening, eight hours a day, I fed on the word of God. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I started to feed on it for three months and it changed everything. I had my buddy Stephen come over and he was raised in the church. He's a pastor's kid and I would just be talking to him and I was taught like just scripture. I didn't even know these scriptures. I would just be talking to him. He's like, yeah, that's in the book of Luke. And I'm like, Oh, praise God. And I just, I didn't even know it. It was like, we would just sit here and we'd be conversing, normal conversation. And the Lord wrote his word on my heart. And I want to tell you something today. I'm not special. There is nothing special about me other than the fact I'm a child of God. But so are you. What God does in one, he'll do in another. What he's done in my life, he'll do in your life. And it's going to be amazing for you to see the way that you're going to walk out of this place today with a fire in your soul, in your spirit to go lead someone to Jesus. Amen. When you love Jesus, it's so, we were in Florida the other day. I had a guy say, the reality is, if you don't talk about someone, you don't love them. And when he said that, I was like, huh, yeah. I brag about my girlfriend all the time. And it's the same way with Jesus. It's the same way with Jesus. When you love Jesus, you can't help but talk about him. Airplane, dude, you're not getting out of here with 30,000 feet in the air. You saved? <laughs> right? It's like... Seriously, everywhere you go, you can't help but talk to people about Jesus. And that's what it was like for me. So I went from someone, I was born an evangelist. I was born to take people places. I just didn't know where I was taking them. I was taking them to the bar. I was taking them to parties. I was taking them to the lake. I was, I was taking them everywhere except for the house of God. But the moment that he smacked me, woke me up and said, no, no, no. This is the amazing thing about Jesus is all he does is ask you to get rid of everything you were never meant to be in the first place. That's all it is. Yeah. Amen. I have a feeling people are going to get saved tonight. Amen. Amen. Come on. So all of a sudden, I was a Holy Ghost-filled, natural evangelist, running around, going to Walmart, praying for people, finding people all over campus at a Christian college and getting them born again at a Christian college, right? At a Christian college. We're getting them born again at a Christian college. Come on, man. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. And... Um, just to fast forward to today, because the message that I'm going to share on today is how to go from natural evangelism to supernatural and why it's so crucial in your life. And how we need to be a church, a bride that wakes up, rips the spirit of ugly off the bride, lights themselves on fire for the world to come watch us burn and be born again, right? Today, as of today, um, I calculated the numbers recently, been born again just under three years, virtually and in person. Uh, me and my friends have reached over 50 million people in the past three years. Amen. 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 God has graced us tremendously. But again, there's, it's like, it's not me. It's not us. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the empowering of the Holy Ghost. So the cool thing is that God spoke this to me, and he said, Talon, a mustard seed of faith is all you need for natural evangelism. Supernatural faith is what you need for supernatural evangelism. I had a mustard seed of faith. That's why I was able to take one or two people to church or 
or just post a video on Facebook. I had this, this tiny mustard seed of faith. That's all I needed for natural evangelism. But the moment that I tapped into supernatural evangelism, it changed everything. Amen. Go ahead. Actually, we're gonna, you can open your Bibles now. We'll, we'll get the scripture. Praise God. Go to John chapter 4. We're going to get there in a moment. I'm going to keep preaching. The Lord has put heavy on my heart, Ephesians 4 and the fivefold ministry. Me, being a new believer, I wasn't raised in church to believe that anything was or was not for today. I read the Bible. The Bible is written in present tense. The book of Acts doesn't have an ending, and the word is alive and active. Therefore, everything in it is for today. That's how I read it. I didn't know anything else. I read it, and I said, whoa, I can go raise the dead? Hallelujah. Someone die. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but seriously, it was, it was a childlike faith. You have, to have a, you have to unlearn often to have a childlike faith. Praise God I didn't have to unlearn. So that was a blessing. But Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold ministry. And in the fivefold ministry, you have the apostle, you have the prophet, you have the evangelist, you have the pastor, and you have the teacher. We see a lot of the pastors and teachers today in the church. We don't see a lot of the apostles, of the prophets, and the evangelists. Now, they say that the apostle pulls everyone together, and the, the prophet points to God, and I'm not going to hold that finger up, but the evangelist stands alone and offends everybody. So, I am an evangelist. Oftentimes, I tend to stand alone and offend everybody, but having the gifting of evangelism does not make an excuse for people not to evangelize. Hallelujah. Did you guys know there's approximately 80 million Christians in the United States today? Approximately. Born-again Christians. If every Christian led someone to Jesus tomorrow yeah. and did it again the next day, this whole nation would be saved and nothing that's happening right now would be happening. Right. One person. That's deep. That's profound. But it takes a bride on fire to share the word of God. That's what it takes. And Ephesians 4 really sticks out to me because we, we like to share this term about constipated Christianity. What we see these days is that oftentimes Christians, and this is none of you, especially not after today. Oftentimes, a lot of Christians will come to the fish tank, and they'll get fed all day, right? They'll come to church. They'll get fed every single Sunday. They'll just get filled and filled and filled and filled. Next thing you know, you're 300 pounds, full of the word of God, and it's got nowhere to go. Praise God, you're built up, but if you're not a funnel, if you're a fish tank and you're not a funnel, the world's not going to change. We are a funnel for the word of God or else you're going to be a constipated Christian. When you're a constipated Christian, you walk funny, you kind of hurt, you don't really know what's going on, you fart a little bit, right? <laughs> That's how it goes. Like you don't want to be a constipated Christian because your life will not be as free if, as if you were a funnel. As if you were a funnel. It says that the laborers are worth their wages. When you lead people to know Jesus, God will bless you in ways in your life that you didn't even know possible. When, you, when your sole purpose is souls, God will flip your life upside down and stack it 10 stories high. Amen. Amen. I want you to say something with me. Say, I am anointed. Now say it like you mean it. I am anointed. Hallelujah. You are. You've been anointed. You've been chosen. Does anyone know what the word Christian means? Yeah, Christ-like. Yeah. Christ Christ means the anointed one. Christians are little anointed ones. We are anointed ones. Jesus was anointed to what? Preach good news to the poor and set the captives free. So we're anointed to do what? Preach good news to the poor and set the captives free. Every single one of us. The moment that you accept Jesus into your heart, you have a well of living water living inside of you. You've been anointed by the king of kings to go share the gospel and set people free and bring good news to the poor. Every single one of us. Hallelujah. So I'm going to tell you a story really quick before we get to John 4 about natural evangelism in my life. I didn't really know how to, how to tap into the supernatural to the spiritual gifts, but I was extremely excited about Jesus. And we all know that in Hebrews chapter 11, we know what is faith? 
It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? Substance for things hoped for, hope for a future. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. The evidence of things not seen. Hebrews eleven six 6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. So there's one thing that moves the spirit of God, and it's faith. You gotta have faith. Not just faith to get saved, faith to move mountains. Faith to get people saved. Faith on top of your salvation faith. There comes an increase when you hear the word of God. And so as you start to take this stuff in, you get faith to start sharing the word of God, but it takes hurdles that you have to get over. And for me, one of those hurdles was just to share it with somebody. So I prayed with God. I said, God, for an entire week, Lord, put someone in my path that I can just share my story with. That's all I wanted. Just one person. Mike picked me up. We were going on a business trip. He didn't know I had been praying this for a week. Mike picks me up. We're going on a business trip, and we're going to Fort Dodge, Iowa. We come to this stop sign, and normally at this stop sign, we take a right. God, or Mike looks at me, and he says, I feel like God, I feel like the Spirit's telling me we got to go left. And I was like, I'm really hungry, because normally we stop at Qdoba on our way to these business trips. And I said, dude, I'm really hungry. I want to get Qdoba. That's 30 minutes longer if we go left. And he said, I just, I really feel it. And I trust him. He's a Spirit-led man. So we take a left. When we take a left about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes down the road, we see a drunk woman stumbling on the side of the road. And it's the middle of February in Iowa. It's kind of cold. She had a hoodie on, she had leggings on, and these, these um, stripper boots, for lack of a better word. And she was stumbling. You could tell she was drunk. Yeah, it didn't take an, uh, a genius to figure that one out. But as we're driving by, the first thought in my mind was not to pick up someone hitchhiking on the side of the road. I'm from California. You don't do that there. Yeah. All of a sudden, as we're driving past her, I feel my heart beat out of my chest. I couldn't even contain it. I couldn't hold it in. It was like word vomit came out, and I said, Mike, what if she doesn't know Jesus? And he's like, whoa. I said, I think we got to pick her up. What if she doesn't know Jesus? And we, we pondered on it, and he flipped around. And when he flipped around, we came up to her, and we said, hey, we're going the same way. Do you want to ride? And even she was kind of shocked that we'd pick her up, but she gets in the back seat, and the moment she sits in the back seat of this car, she just reeks of alcohol. I almost got drunk off smelling her. It was like, it was deep. It was rough, and, and she sits in the back seat, and she starts talking about this man that's in her life and how dreadful he is and how he got her addicted to alcohol, to drugs, to all of these things and he's kept her away from, from her kids for like 24 hours now. And she's just laying into us and, and I see Mike look at me and he kind of smiles and he looks up in the rearview mirror and I know exactly what he's gonna do. Her name was Heather and he said, Heather, I think God sent us to find you today. And this woman broke down like dry heaving. I've never heard somebody cry this hard in my life. She broke, weepy, just Ugh. It was deep. Groans, groans too deep to understand. It was a deep groan. And she told us that she grew up in the church. She actually used to teach at Sunday school, and she met this guy in the church. They used to go to church together. He had a drinking problem. He had a drug problem, and she ended up getting wrapped up in it because they were unequally yoked, and he wasn't really serving the Lord. He was coming to the house of God. He was being a good fish and hopping in the tank, but he was becoming a constipated Christian, and none of it was playing an effect on his life. Therefore, he couldn't experience freedom. And on account of that, broke people find broke people. They found each other. Three years later, they're not even going to church anymore. And she can't even believe in God. She's mad at God because she feels like this guy is supposed to be a godsend for her. But in reality, he took her away from God. So she's mad. She didn't pray to God for three years. For three years, she didn't pray to God because she was so mad. That morning, she was in a pizza ranch. And she said, I prayed for the first time in three years. I said, God, if you're still there, I need you to get me out of here. And she said the Holy Ghost prompted her to leave everything, get up and walk out. So she did. And she said, 30 minutes later, you guys showed up and said, God sent you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 
Yeah. Praise God. She ends up getting born again in the back seat. Lord, I pray she's still serving you today. But in the back seat, she says the prayer with us, and it was right after Raise a Hallelujah from Bethel came out. So I'm just like, like, it was victory, right? It was just, it was deep, it was emotional, it was powerful. And I was just so zealous, man. I signed my like really expensive Bible and I gave it to her. I was like, yeah, I like wrote a note in there. And it was good. It was awesome. It was awesome. And uh, this, is, this is the kicker. This is what really got me. Because I'm evangelist. Like when people get born, I love souls. I love watching people get set free. I love watching people get saved. I love watching people step out of the lifestyle that I lived in because that's freedom. When you have a revelation of what you've really been saved from, you can't help but fill this place. Amen. You can't help it. You can't, I, I, I live an hour away and I will not stop until there's people wall to wall. I will bring hundreds if not thousands into this church. Amen. Amen. No, no one's gonna stop me. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so we roll up to her apartment, and when we get there, her daughter comes out, and she says, Mom, I haven't seen you smile like this ever in my life. She's 10 years old, and uh, we just, we prayed a blessing over Heather and over her daughter. We didn't tell the daughter at all what had happened. The daughter comes up to me, and she gives me a hug, like wraps me around my waist, and I said, do you know who did this for your mommy? And I'm not kidding, 100% the truth. She looked me in the eyes, and she said, Jesus. Not even kidding. This little girl's 10 years old, and she knew only Jesus could do that to her mom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that was natural. I didn't do it. I, I, I did not work in any supernatural spiritual gift, nothing. All I did was pray to God, God, send me. Put someone in my way that I can talk to about you because I love you, and I want to talk to people about you. And when I did that, he did it because he's faithful, and he loves you, and he's still a prayer-answering God. Amen. He's a prayer-answering God. Amen. And that was natural evangelism, and that lit my life on fire. From that day forward, my life has never been the same. I knew that I had one purpose and one purpose alone, take as many people to heaven with me as I can and thump the devil every day that I'm here. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You don't have to turn there yet. Don't worry. I'm just going to cover this. I'm going to spit a lot of scripture at you, so just keep up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the nine spiritual gifts. Why are the nine spiritual gifts important? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be endued with power. So the Holy Spirit is a person. We saw in Luke chapter three, he descended in bodily form. We see in John 14, 15, and 16, he's referred to as a man. It's him and he, the pronouns used. The Holy Ghost is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, Paul says something very specific. He says, may the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. The communion of the Holy Ghost. He's a friend. He's a friendship. If you read the book of Acts, they refer to the Holy Spirit as the third person, in third person in their group, as if he's like there, he's there with the group. Us and the Holy Spirit watched as Jesus ascended. The Holy Spirit's in the group, he's here right now, in case you didn't know. If we knew how close God was, we'd be extremely uncomfortable. Extremely uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable. But Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, hallelujah. So that same spirit that lives in you will empower you to walk in spiritual giftings. How do I know this? It's happened to me. I'm not special. I'm just another dude. He pulled me out of the dunghill and put me on solid ground. That's what he does. Baptized me with his Holy Ghost and sent me out. He activated me. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual giftings. You got the word of knowledge. You got the gift of healing. You got the tongues. You got interpretation of tongues, discernment of, of, uh, discernment of spirits. All of these different gifts that you need 
in order to get people born again. These gifts weren't just given to you for fun. They weren't just put in the Bible to be like, hey, by the way, there's some extra gifts there if you ever get bored and you want to prophesy to your kid. That's not what they're there for. They're for to get people born again. They're there for a purpose. When you know the purpose behind them, you know why you want them. When you know why you want them, you're going to work in them and you're going to covet after them like it says in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Why? Because you can't do it alone. We led one person to Jesus in the back seat of that car. Supernaturally, when you touch somebody supernaturally, they will lead other people to Jesus. And I'm going to prove that to you today. So now we're going to get to John chapter 4 after I just gave you that nice cliffhanger. Praise God. John chapter 4, we'll start at verse uh, 7 here. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Pay attention here. This is supernatural. Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right. <laughs> you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus received what is known as a word of knowledge. The Lord gave him a word of knowledge. He worked in a spiritual gifting to supernaturally reveal to this woman that he was the son of God, that he was the anointed one, that he carried the presence of God. Any of us have that capability through the spiritual gifts. Sure. Amen. Amen. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive, perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So we just saw Jesus revealed to her supernaturally that she had five other men on the side. Catch this. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. She left the one thing she went up to that well for. She dropped the water jar completely. She filled up her water. By the way, this wasn't like a 10-minute walk. This was like a couple-mile hike. Like this was far from the city to the well. This is a big deal. No one goes up there, picks up 10 gallons of water, and then just leaves it there. That's not how that works. She had a supernatural encounter. So the woman left her water. 
jar and went away into the town. So catch this. She went away into the town and said to the people. Other translation says that she told the whole city. She told the whole city, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? My point here is supernatural evangelism leads to multiplication in the body. So the goal here is not only do we need to be telling people about Jesus and should we not multiply this church in like the matter of two or three weeks, but when you have a supernatural gifting that you choose to earnestly desire to walk in, a spiritual gifting, a word of knowledge, the gift of healing, whatever it might be, when you earnestly desire the deeper things of God, he will honor you. He says that when you honor me in the secret place, I will honor you in the open. Honoring God in the secret place means that we earnestly desire these things so that we can go spread the kingdom of God. When we can build the kingdom of God, he'll honor you. Like I said, get souls saved and you'll watch God bless your life in ways you had no idea he could. Amen. Amen. I want you to say it again. I am anointed. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you another story now in my life where the Lord had gifted me in a spiritual gift. I have a buddy here, his name is Austin, and he was part of this. It was, it was amazing. It was a, a few months after I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, and I was seeking the deeper things of God. I wanted to press in. I wanted to know how to get into the Spirit of God and work in these spiritual gifts. I didn't want to just be a natural evangelist. I wanted to be a supernatural evangelist. I wanted to work in the anointing. So I started pressing in. All of a sudden, I get a phone call from my buddy Austin. He says, hey, I've got this baseball player. He wants to come learn how to put on some muscle and get better in the gym. Can I bring him over? I said, absolutely, bring him over. He comes over. His name was Lane. He walks in, and, and I'd never met this guy before in my life. Not one time. The moment he steps through my door, the Lord starts to speak to me. He says, he struggles with alcohol. He's got depression. He's got anxiety. He's got condemnation in his life. His dad had an alcohol problem, and it caused his parents to get divorced, and he thinks he's going down the same path. I've never met this dude. How am I supposed to tell him this? So I'm sitting there sweating, and I'm like, okay, Lord, how do I tell him this? I'm trying to like talk about getting your bench press up, and I've got this rolling in my brain, right? And I, I'm just sitting there, and I pray in the spirit. I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to tell him this, I need to be alone with him. The moment I said that prayer, Austin's phone rang, and he went into the other room. It was amazing. It was divine. He steps into the other room, and it came out again like word vomit. I said, hey, I don't know what it's like in your life, if you serve God or not, but this is what he told me about you. You have an alcohol problem. You're depressed. You have anxiety. Your dad was an alcoholic, and it ruined your parents' marriage, and you're worried you're going down the same path. Does that resonate at all? This guy's eyes just filled up with tears. He lifted this Mountain Dew can, and he said, this isn't Mountain Dew. This is straight vodka. I've been drinking straight vodka for two weeks now because I keep hearing these voices in my head telling me to commit suicide. I've had depression so bad that my organs were attacking themselves and I had to leave school last semester to go be in the hospital. My anxiety is terrible. When I drink alcohol, it helps me to calm down. My dad was an alcoholic and it caused my parents to get divorced. I'm worried I'm going down the same path. Breaks down completely, just word vomit. You can't make that stuff up. Long story short, this guy ends up giving his life to Jesus. Austin and I, Austin comes out of the room after he's on the phone. This kid's like, ooh, and he's like, what the heck? But it was beautiful. It was so good. And he, he hopped right in like he knew exactly what he was doing, just undercover. He's like, oh, yeah, in Jesus' name, right? Just laid hands and started praying with him or praying with me for him. And we start praying for this guy. The next night, oh, this is so cool. And Lord, I pray you still have his heart today. I really do. But the next night, this is crazy. I was up probably 10, 11 o'clock at night reading my Bible, as I did. And I hear like, poof, 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 on my door. I was like, what the heck? And he just, bar this kid barges into my door. 
into my apartment. He's got this big backpack on, and he runs in straight to the bathroom. I'm like, dude, this guy's really got to go. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And he walks into my bathroom, but he didn't close the door. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go close it for him because he must really have to go. So I go to close it, and he takes the backpack off, and he puts it on the sink like that, and he opens it. And just handle after handle after handle of alcohol and beer and all of this liquor, he starts pulling out of this backpack and pouring it down the drain. Hallelujah. Because God still sets people free. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. And here's the craziest thing. This was a supernatural encounter with this kid. And because he had a supernatural encounter with God, not only did he benefit from it, the Holy Spirit has a ripple effect in people's lives. On account of his salvation, it led to hundreds of new people in my life that I got introduced to, to connections, to people being saved, to people I've been able to share this story with that get to benefit on top of it. Not to mention, I get a call from this girl who was down in Florida. She calls crying her eyes out. She says, I've been praying for that young man for four years. For four years that he would get touched by God. I'm down in Florida right now, and I just found out that you led him to the Lord. And she's just weeping, just whoa, like it was, it was deep and it was personal because he is a prayer answering God. She didn't get to reap that harvest, I did, but sometimes, like Paul said, some sow and some water, God will bring the increase. And some are gonna reap the harvest, but you must remember, you're always sowing, you're always watering, and someone's gotta be out there to reap this harvest. That's right, amen. So that was a supernatural encounter. Supernatural encounter. Go to the book of Matthew with me, chapter eight. I'll try to get you out of here in the next two to three hours. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter eight. If you're getting something from this at all, please let me know. Amen? Amen? Come on. Amen. Amen. Really quick, while I, while I get ready to read this, I want you guys to set a soul goal in your mind right now. I want you to think about three people, three people that you can invite to church next week. Three people on your mind, because there's people, the reality is there's people very close to you. There's people that you're terrified to share the gospel with. It might be your parents. It might be your brother. It might be your There's people in your life right now that you have no idea how to go tell them about Jesus. Just tell them about church. Just get them to church and let Pastor Mike yell at them for an hour and a half. That'll get anybody saved. Praise God. I want you to think about that and keep that in mind. I'm going to cover a couple things here that are going to empower you and build your faith, because faith comes by hearing the what? The word of God, amen. So I'm gonna speak the word of God into you and it's gonna build your faith to go out there and work in supernatural giftings. Matthew chapter eight, verse one. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And so catch that, if you will, you will make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will. Be clean. The moral of this story is Jesus still heals today. He is willing. It's not God, if you're willing, will you heal that? No, it's he gave you authority over every demonic possession on this planet to trample on scorpions and serpents, right? He's given you the authority to work in spiritual gifts. Imagine if I gave you the playbook to go win a football game, you didn't read it, and then you asked me how to win the football game. How would I, how would I react? Right. That's the reality of this. He's given us the answers. He's given us this book of instruction to go take authority over every wicked thing that the devil thinks he owns. And that's our job. Scroll down a little bit in Matthew chapter eight to verse eight. But the centurion replied, 
Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. He marveled. And said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom, or I'm sorry, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. This man recognized that Jesus had authority. The same authority in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that Jesus has given to us. He gave to his disciples, I have given you therefore all authority to go trample every evil thing of the devil. That's sickness, that's disease, that's poverty, that's cursing. Every bondage, every chain, he's given you authority over in the mighty name of Jesus. It's the name above all names. Amen. He is willing and you've been given the authority. I'm going to share a couple more, more stories here before I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive tonight. This one's called Walmart Joe. I love this one. He was an older man. I was extremely zealous. All my friends called me a little bit overzealous. I was just, man, I was like, Jesus, 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 all right? Jesus, 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 Jesus. I told my friend one time, if you say Jesus enough times and loud enough, somebody's bound to cry. And I was, I'm serious, man. You could just yell it. I don't need another word. Give me that one name. Give me that one name. So I grabbed a couple of my buddies and said, hey, let's go to Walmart. Let's go pray for people. We go to Walmart. We're going to go pray for healing for people because we want to see people born again. We want to see a move of God. We want to see momentum built up and faith stirred. We go into Walmart. The very first person we see is this old man named Joe. He's about, I don't know, 83, 84. He's got a cane, and he's sitting on a stool, and he's got this massive brace down his leg, and he's got this big compression sock going up his leg. I walked up. I didn't even know what I was going to say. I just... <laughs> Walk up, start praying in tongues. No, I'm just kidding. But I just walked up and I said, hey, what's your name? He said, Joe, just catch this, please. It's so, so simple. So simple. I just walked up and I said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name is Joe. I said, I'm Taylor. Good to meet you. Just natural conversation, right? And I said, hey, I couldn't help but notice that you got a cane and you have a compression sock. I'd love to pray for you. I believe in a God that still heals today. And he was kind of like, okay, sure, yeah, why not? But nobody's going to refuse prayer. People need prayer. So we laid hands on him. We said, in Jesus' name, and nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. I was like, well, hey, one thing you'll learn in the body of Christ is you never put your personal experience above the word of God. Never. Not once. Not once. The word of God trumps all. Psalm 138, he exalts his word above his own name. You never put your experience above the word of God. So we laid hands. Nothing happened. The next weekend, we decided to go back because, I mean, we just kept praying for people. That next weekend, we're like, hey, let's go back. Let's go pray for more people. We walk in. First person we see is Joe, and his cane's gone. Walk up to him. His compression sock is gone, and his brace is gone, and he's not sitting on a stool anymore. I said, Joe, what happened to your cane? He's like, oh, I don't know. I guess I don't need it anymore. I was like, dude, you got healed. Like, hallelujah. This guy got radically healed, didn't even realize it, and we didn't see it until we came back a week later. But we prayed in Jesus' name that he would get healed. That is something supernatural that you can never deny. It's something you can never make up. It's something, like, it's, it changed the man's life. And I have no idea what seed that planted. I'm not going to reap that harvest. But I know it was a big seed. Amen. It was a big seed. And that was amazing. I have another story here. And this one's very important. It's very near and dear to me because it's here in this place. Uh, two years ago, when I got introduced to Faith Family, 
I started bringing people here, and it was just, it was deep. It was powerful, and people were getting changed. But there was one guy that I was really nervous, and he was actually my roommate. I was nervous to invite him. I, I don't really get nervous too often, but I was nervous to invite him because I got to live with him. And I'm living with him, and he saw change in my life. This guy, he was raised a Christian. He grew up in the church, but when he got to college, he walked away from the faith for about three years. He was extremely lost, extremely lost. But he saw radical change in my life, and he couldn't explain it. It was supernatural. You can't explain the supernatural. And what happened was I started getting rid of all this bad music and I stopped watching all these bad movies. I started to clean out all this junk. Jesus said, make the inside of the cup clean and the outside will clean itself. And that's what happened. Jesus was cleaning the inside of my cup. All these things were being cast out. They were being thrown away. And my life was radically changing. I was listening to worship music, praising Jesus in the shower. And all of a sudden, I noticed he stopped listening to rap music. And he started to listen to worship music in the shower in the morning. And he's like worshiping too before we're going to class. And I'm like... Wow, God's doing something. Because he says he's no respecter of men. What he does in one man, he'll do in another. What he does in one woman, he'll do in another. What he's done for me, he'll do for you. And what he's done for you, he'll do for me. And that's the truth. He's a good God. He's a good, good God. Finally, I mustered up the courage. And this is, this is a story for people. There's, there's someone in your life right now that you just need to invite them to church. I mustered up the courage and I said, hey, you want to go to church with me next week, huh? And he said, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. He, I could tell by the way he answered. You know when people answer questions like they were waiting for you to ask him? I could tell he was waiting for me to ask him. I guarantee you that person in your life is waiting for you to ask them. Amen. He was waiting for me to ask him. I asked him. He came. Um, oh, I'm pretty sure, I don't know. I think we were down here and he was sitting over there because this is Pastor Mike and Vicky's section. This is, yeah, I'm trying to replay this in my mind. And so we're worshiping. Worship was just killer. It was good. God was moving. It was beautiful as normal. And I'm sitting there kind of nervous. I was sweating a little bit. And I was like, man, Lord, I can't do anything about this. Pastor Mike better have brought a good word. Um, I'm just kidding. He always brings a good word. Amen. And I was stressing about it. But I look over, and he's just getting wrecked in worship. He was just getting touched by the Lord. It was, it was so, he's got tears rolling down his face. and It was, it was intimate. Sits down, and we start hearing this word, and of course, Pastor Mike's just oh, letting him have it, right? He's just, it was amazing. The entire sermon was about how people in our generation and other generations try to fill this void in our heart with the things of the world, whether it's alcohol, whether it's women, whether it's men, whether it's addiction, whatever it might be, we try to fill this gap in our heart that only Jesus can fit. That's right. And he's just preaching it, and I'm just watching it like it says in Hebrews 4.12, right? The word is sharp, it's alive and active. Sharper than a two edge. I watched the sword of the word pierce this man's heart. Bah, bah, one after another. One after another. And just Pastor Mike was preaching life. Just preaching life into this guy. Anyway, the sermon's over. He does an altar call. These three amazing young women come up. They give their life to Jesus. They go out with Randy. And the service is getting ready to close down. And uh, Pastor Vicky, as she does, just extremely prophetic, walks up to the stage right when Pastor Mike is blessing everybody. She whispers in his ear. And he steps back out on the stage and he says, my wife just told me that she got a word from the Lord. There's somebody here today that's been running away from God for the past three years, and he's calling you back right now. And I was standing over here on this end, and I nudged Mike, and I was like, dude, I think that's my roommate. Before I even got the words out of my mouth, Jameson, my roommate, is running full speed down this alleyway, smacks on his knees right here, tears in his eyes, and gives his life back to Jesus. Amen. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Band, you guys can come up now. Thank you guys so much for listening to me. 
So there's two huge things that I've noticed, preaching a little bit. One, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. It doesn't say faith comes by reading and reading the word of God. Read your Bible out loud. Allow this thing to captivate who you are. Allow it to change you from the inside out. Get your butt to church and soak it up. Come with a spirit of expectancy. Come ready to light yourself on fire so the world will watch you burn. Come ready to grab something that you can walk out of this place with and go touch people. You feel called to the people that you are. My roommate shared this with me. He said, I feel called to the person I used to be. It's the same way with me. I feel called to the people I used to be. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.